Have you ever tried quoting somebody? Steven and I have this movie we like watching. The Stupids, you've probably heard us talk about it before. And we do enjoy quoting different lines from that movie. There's this one line we like when the head of the army over there, the criminal, he says, well, Lieutenant, give him the keys to my car. And Stanley Stupid goes, well, thank you so much. That's incredibly generous. Thanks, everybody. I'll see ya. See, I just quoted it for you. But did I really quote it word for word? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure he said thank you very much and not thank you so much. And then it's, he probably said something I forgot to mention right now. He said, and to think I just wanted to ride back to town. Thanks, everybody. Right? That's what he really said in the movie. And yet when I quoted it right now, I said pretty much the same thing, except I said it differently. And another example would be if you tell me, I went to the store yesterday, it was a bright morning, and I asked the cashier, how much do the cucumbers cost? And if I were to quote you and say what you told me, I'm probably going to say something like this. He told me he went to the grocery store that beautiful morning and he asked how much were the cucumbers. See, while the message remains the same, I did use different words to repeat what you've said when I quoted you. And do we not do this all the time? It really takes a lot of training that they usually teach actors to repeat the lines word for word in order to say exactly what it is written. And yet if any of you ever went to an audition and you tried to repeat a line that was written for you, they tell you, this shampoo is extravagant. It will make your hair blush and flush and rush. And then you try to say it, right? And, and you say just a little different. Your hair is going to be brush and rush. But it didn't say your hair is going to be. It said it will make your hair. And we do all of these discrepancies so naturally. And yet the message remains the same. So I have to ask you, well, what is really most important? Is it the message or is it the, the punctuation and the exactness of the legalistic side of the quotation? See, many people try to attack the New Testament. They said, is that really what Jesus said? We have all these variations. We have all these different letters that really kind of contradict themselves. You know, one gospel says he said this. The other said he says that. Well, which one is the truth? And the truth is that, well, all of them and none of them really. Sure, they all give the message, but do they really quote Yeshua word for word? Well, maybe. Personally, I believe that originally, they did quote him word for word, but remember, the Gospels were highly manipulated. Thousands, if not millions of different variants all over the world. And we know for a fact that there are discrepancies amongst them. But then again, the question arises, well, what kind of discrepancies? Is it the discrepancies where it says in one word, Jesus of Nazareth, and in another, Jesus from Nazareth? The Muslims and the atheists will say, oh, well, we found a discrepancy in the manuscripts. Uh-huh. 
as if that means anything. Well, the message remains the same. Jesus of Nazareth, from Nazareth, makes no difference. That's where he came from. You got the point, didn't you? So you have to really think critically and logically and understand the message. The fact that we have all of these discrepancies, all of these variants, all of these different versions of the Gospels is not a bad thing. No, it's a good thing. Because when you put all of them together, you really get the full picture. If I stand behind you, or, or better yet, let's say there's a car wreck, I stand in front of the car, you stand behind of the car, we're both giving the report to the cops, our reports are going to be different based on our viewpoint, based on the vocabulary we use, based on what we've noticed, what we've paid attention to. You might have seen something that I've missed, and vice versa. But to get the full report, you're going to have to read both of our testimonies, me from the front, yours from the back. That's how it works in life. Why would that be any different with the Gospels? The Gospels are not Torah. They weren't given to Moshe and Mount Sinai. They were testimonies by eyewitnesses written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Inspiration doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit wrote it. Inspiration. The Spirit inspires me. It gives me this revelation, understanding. I see it in my spirit. And then I put it out in my own words, much like this message. I was inspired by the Spirit, but it still has an element of me in it. And since I'm flawed, well, this message is going to be flawed. You're going to hear some noises, you're going to hear me mumble and grumble, and then you're going to hear me say, well, actually, I meant to say this instead of that, because I'm only human. I'm just a man. And so were the apostles, by the way. But what is really your argument here? Are you trying to disqualify the divinity and identity of Yeshua just because somebody had a little bit of a discrepancy? He said off instead of from, or, or maybe it's the genealogies that, you know, Luke chapter 2 and compared to Matthew chapter 1. Well, so what? We already know Matthew is for Yosef, his adopting father. Luke is for his mother, even though it does say Yosef on it. But from historical accounts, we know it is so. Why is it written the way it is? I don't know. I wasn't there. But what I do know is that it doesn't matter because I found the Lord. I know him. I know him to be true. I know him to exist. I know him to be alive. Yeshua said, the Holy Spirit, whom I will ask the Father to send, he will testify about me. See, Yeshua was here before the testimonies. Yeshua is not contingent on the testimonies. Even if there were never even written any testimonies, Yeshua still is. God is not dependent on the accuracy of the text. He does not live in the text. God is not like the Quran, which the Quran, by the way, it's, it's a whole other story. Allah is not the God of the Bible. It's a pagan God, but that's another story, like I said. The God of the universe does not exist because there is a text that is written about him. <laughs> no, that is for you and I so that we will know, because we are born without the knowledge of God. It is to point us to God, but it is not God. God was there before the earth began. Yeshua said, well, John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word of God, came from God, is God. 
the spirit of God before there ever was an earth. So definitely before Abraham and definitely before the Torah was written on scrolls. And yet, even if you find some discrepancies, for example, in Second Chronicles, it says he was 42 years old when he started reigning. In King said it was 22 years old. Well, so what? What's your point? <laughs> Somebody made an error? Somebody had a mistake in copying? So you're going to throw God under the bus because of something a man did? Many of you do. Many of you look at your parents who are godless, hate God, they don't follow. Some of them are Pharisees. Wear that cross, wear the kippah, and yet they abuse you, they hit you, they misuse you. And you say, well, I want nothing to do with God. Why? What do they have to do with God? Any connection between them and God is purely accidental. And yet, you blame God for what other people do. God is not dependent on anyone. God is God, period. Whether you know him, whether you acknowledge he exists, it doesn't matter. He is God. There's nothing you can do about it. Whether there is a Torah or whether there was no Torah. Enoch did not wait around saying, where's the Torah? I'm not going to walk with you, God, until there's a Torah. No, he just walked with God. And so did Adam, by the way, until he fell into sin. Abraham didn't have the testimonies. And yet, Yeshua even testified about him. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Abraham looked forward to seeing my day. Abraham knew. He doesn't say in the Torah. There's a lot that is not mentioned in the Torah. Think about it, the whole life of Abraham. Maybe a few chapters in Bereshit. You know, I don't know, 10 chapters, maybe. Abraham lived 175 years. If I wrote an autobiography on you, who are about 40 or 50 years old, most of you in your 30s, really, I could fill up a whole library talking about your life. And you think somebody who lived 175 years, only 10 chapters? We cannot write down all of that stuff. And it's unnecessary because Avram is not God. You don't need to know everything. It's just a pointer. The testimonies are exactly what they are, testimonies of somebody else, not yours. It is just to give you enough to establish that Yeshua indeed fulfilled what he came here to fulfill so that you would know that he is who he is. I am that I am. He is the word of God. He is the forgiveness. He is the atonement for your sins. He is the high priest in the heaven. He is the branch of David, the branch of Jesse, Ishai. He is the one that is coming, Zechariah 12, Zechariah 14, Mashiach ben David. He is that one. That's the whole purpose of the testimony. So you would know, because otherwise you would not know. The prophet from Isaiah 53, the one born in Bethlehem, in Micah. He is that one. And that's it. Everything else is irrelevant. You don't need to know that. Go to him and he will teach you. As a matter of fact, it's best if you do not know that before you come to him, or you're going to have the wrong view of him. See, God does not rejoice in foolish servants. No, he will educate you. He will teach you. He will give you wisdom. He will walk with you. But before you get the knowledge, you have to get to know him. You have to seek him. You have to come to him. You don't say, I'm going to get healed, then I'll go to the doctor. No, you go to the doctor, then you're going to get healed. God will heal you. God will teach you. 
God will open your eyes. God will explain to you what you need to know, when you need to know it, by the way, on his time, not yours. But you're so stubborn. You're so legalistic. See, I was driving my grandma and she asked me, where does the seven day week comes from? Why is a week seven days? And I looked at her, I was like, well, you know, grandma has dementia, poor thing. She, she, she can't remember much of anything, short term. Long term, she remembers everything, but short term, no. And back in her youth, she had a job putting Nikud in the Tanakh. Nikud is the, the vowel movements in the Hebrew alphabet. Unlike English, there's these dots. If you've ever seen Hebrew text, there's dots under the letters and up above the letters to teach you how to pronounce it. So she had a job putting that Nikud in the Tanakh, the Word of God. She did it for a few years. And I told her, Grandma, you put the Nikud in the Tanakh and you do not know? I was like, why are you asking me this question? You walked in the Tanakh, you should know. And you know what she told me? She said, well, when we did this, the effort and attention was so much so on the Nikud itself that you barely paid attention to the words and to the message and the meaning of the actual text. Now, given, I just gave you a quote, right? Basically what she said, but obviously she did not say it in those exact words. And yet the message is the same, coming back to the beginning of this message. See, I can tell you what she said, not word for word, but it would still be accurate because that was the essence of the message. She paid attention to the Nikud and she missed out completely the message of the Torah. And how sad is that, that so many of you are just like her. You're so consumed with legalism, with the little things, with how the word is pronounced, what is the strong man, you know, whatever you call it, to find out all the differences and you dissect the Torah under the microscope and in carbon date, the parchment, and you're so consumed with all this unnecessary thing that you completely miss out the whole message. <laughs> Adonai is God, Yeshua is the Messiah, Yeshua is salvation for sins, atonement for sins. You need to repent, give your life to him and be saved. That's it. That's it. Just follow him, surrender to him and do what he says. That's all you need to know. Everything else does not matter. You don't need to date everything. God is not a museum. Nobody in the Torah ever did what you do. Nobody went and tried to uncover archaeological digs or go to yeshiva or go to church. There are no churches in the Torah. Nobody ever did what you do. Not even Ezra and Nehemiah which are like the latest books in the Tanakh before the times of Yeshua. And remember, the time of Yeshua, it was already gone. <laughs> the time of Yeshua is pretty much like today. The Pharisees in the synagogues wearing their talits and tefillin. It's just like today, except now we also have Christian Pharisees. <laughs> Back then it was only the Jewish Pharisees and Yeshua rebuked all of them. They were the ones giving him trouble, not the sinners, not the ones in the strip club. The brothels, no, they, they, they left their sin behind and followed him. It was the Pharisees, those who claimed to know, those who loved that religion. They were all about the religion, about the text. Sitting in yeshiva all day, reading the text. See, they were so consumed with the text that when God himself walked amongst them, they didn't even recognize him. Only a few did. Gamliel, you know, a few of those Sanhedrin guys that actually loved Adonai. They had a heart for him so they could see the rest were so consumed with religion and tradition and all of that godlessness 
that you see nowadays people are consumed with in your churches and the synagogues. You can stand in front of them, they wouldn't even be able to see because they have no eyes. Isaiah said, these people have eyes they cannot see, they have ears they cannot hear, their heart is heavy, they cannot understand. Nothing has changed. Isaiah, that's 25, 26, 2700 years ago, right in the time of the exile. Nothing changed, really. Except we've gotten worse. What excuse do we have? What reason? How can we justify ourselves? They didn't know. When Isaiah was there, they didn't have the Isaiah scroll to refer to. They didn't have the testimonies. We do. You have all the access, but instead of actually getting the message, you try to analyze, dissect, and put it in a museum so you can charge entrance fee, make money off of it. Use it for your new condos and your new churches and your new boats and your strobe lights. Trying to make a culture out of it, trying to make a religion out of it, trying to make a business out of it. You treat God as if he was some afternoon activity. Send your kids to Bible camp. What is this nonsense? Why don't you just walk with the Lord like Enoch, like Noah, like David, Eliyahu, Elisha? God was not something they did. God was their life. They walked with God wherever they went, serving him. There never was a religion in the Bible. And yet you, who claim to believe in God and the Bible, have nothing in common with it. How do you not see it? It is so plain to see. It is so clear to see. But you're blind, just like Isaiah said. These people have eyes they do not see. You are blind and you follow the blind. And here you have someone who can see. Someone who shows you the way. And you ignore me. Well... That's your choice. You ignore Herzl, you ignore me, and you ignore our Lord, the one who sent us. He invited you. Many are called, he said, but few are chosen. You're called all right, but you're not chosen. And the reason you're not chosen is that you did not choose to be chosen. That's on you. Hallelujah. I'm only human I'm just a man Help me believe In what I could see And all that I am Show me
Cause yesterday's gone Sweet Jesus And tomorrow may never be mine Lord help me today Show me the way one day at a time Do you remember When you walked among men Well, Jesus, you know If you're looking below it is worse now than then Everyone is pushing and shouting And that's crowded my mind Lord, Lord, for my sake Teach me to take one day Just give me the strength to do every day what I have to do. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never Today, show me the way one day at a time. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking of you. Tomorrow may never be mine Lord, help me today Show me the way One day at a time Lord, help me today Show me the way One day One day at a time